0: Hello, and welcome to the Analytics Show, the podcast of business through the lines of data science. But together, we'll dive into learning and sharing where various industries are heading and how data and analytics is at the heart of shaping business growth and productivity. Let's spark different ways of thinking about data and analytics that is relevant to you and prepare your business for future disruption. I'm your host, Jason Tan, I'm delighted you could make it on this journey with us. Hey guys, to continue to get support tips, techniques and tools and learn from the expert, hit that subscribe button wherever you are so we can keep in touch and continue our lifelong learning together. So are you using your company data to its full potential? Take our embedded analytic assessment, find out your score, A leading organization like Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, and Google have moved beyond dashboard and embedded data science directly into their daily business operation. With our three-minute test, you will discover your potential in optimizing customer experience and revenue through embedded analytics. You will gain greater clarity, insight, and advice embed analytics plus you will receive customized results instantly. Find the link to this assessment in the description of this episode. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to the analytics show podcast. Thank you so much for, uh, in all the way from Singapore. Great to have you here today.
1: Thanks a lot, Jason. Happy to be here.
0: Now I'm gonna, um, Before we dive into a lot of the stuff that you do professionally, I have a couple of questions for you that I found from my research. Now, the first thing first is you have published several books over the years, and I believe the latest one is called Achieving Transformational Care. Tell us the background of how this book was born.
1: Uh, Sure, Um, so Achieving Transformational Care Was conceptualized to address a very specific need, uh, which was to uh, clarify misconceptions, uh, share insights, best practices, um, strategies on how to optimize uh, existing resources, redefine workflow. This could be administrative or clinical workflow, and then utilizing uh, technologies to achieve quality and meaningful patient-centered care that is ideally sustainable, um, as opposed to applying stopgap measures uh, to symptoms that we have in the uh, healthcare uh, ecosystem. Now, the original targets uh, of the book, the intended audience, if you will, were tech professionals. um, And the idea was to empower them with knowledge Uh, understanding of the core body of uh, knowledge, essential uh, when one wants to undertake digital transformation in health. Ideally, this will enable them to communicate and apply uh, health informatics concepts and practices to real life situations. And this ideally would um, help achieve better health outcomes. Now I mentioned this specifically because again, the original intended audience were tech professionals, mm-hmm. uh, but over the course of time, I realized that uh, it, it was also useful to health professionals as well, because the, the actual content touches uh, both sides of the spectrum as well as insights, you know. So, so you, you have situations where the tech guys don't understand what the clinical guys are trying to do and mm-hmm. vice versa. Everyone's actually having a, a similar uh, intention It's all for the patient. But they're coming from very different uh lenses uh, due yeah. to training focus and outcome so in the end the content was actually suitable for both and I, I like to think that it has helped uh, you know cross some a uh, bridge some uh, gaps uh, between the two disciplines yeah so that's that's achieving uh transformation care
0: when when you say the clinical professional were you referring to the uh the healthcare professional who uh treating the patient or were you referring to the healthcare administration professional who uh, manage the hospital uh, on all those sort of resources?
1: That's a fantastic question. I would say both. Um, mm. Even within the, these two spectrum, uh, administrators, of course, with all their best intention, they have to keep health services alive. Someone has to pay for this, right? Sometimes it's the government, uh, more than often, as you would know, Healthcare resources are never in uh, uh, enough. It's always people not taking care of themselves. Yeah. Um, and from the clinical perspective, there will be uh, healthcare professionals who administer the care and also supporting uh, health professionals. So so one of the um, biggest misconceptions people have is that they think healthcare professionals is in one category. Actually, if you divide it across the care continuum, um let's say primary care versus acute care versus tertiary and the difference is trying to prevent people from getting sick uh in ter- uh, in acute is when people got sick but you want to make sure they don't take a turn for the worse and then tertiary is you know that guy is really sick now what can i do to make him feel better so if you take diabetes as an example uh primary care perhaps you're trying to prevent uh, mm. the ter- the person from being sick acute is okay this person has an early stage of diabetes. How do I prevent uh, this person from, uh, you know, worsening uh, his, his or her disease condition? And then tertiary is, okay, uh, this guy uh, got it bad, very late stage diabetes. What can I do to make um, this person feel mm-hmm. good? Uh, so even that, you know, there's different healthcare professions come in and their perspective are different, <laughs> even among themselves. So, okay. yeah, so, so it, it's it's tough at times to get everybody with the same objective. We all want the patients to get better, uh, but how do we work together with all our different needs and wants to um, to achieve that? It, it, it's a challenge. Yeah.
0: Now, when you were <clears throat> pending down the, the book, what, what was the one thing that is most important takeaway that you were thinking that you liked?
1: people to have when when reading this book? Ah, uh, that, that's, that's another very good question. Um, my key message uh, was to uh, was to ensure that people walk away understanding that technology is not the key focus uh, when okay. health po- uh, organization embark on digital transformation projects. It actually sounds weird because if you okay, tell people, no. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna do, yeah, you say, hey, I'm going to do a digital transformation project. Uh, most, most folks in the healthcare uh, segment will say, okay, digital means uh, technology. Now, no, don't get me wrong. Uh, technology is very important, it's crucial uh, as a supporting uh, function or an enabling function. So it makes you, um, enables you to do something that was not possible before. So, absolutely crucial. Uh, my best example I give people is um, your Wi Fi. You go to any organization, you shut down Wi-Fi. That's it. You know, let's not even uh, talk about anything else. Uh, that's basic ba- basic uh, needs right there. No Wi-Fi, can't do anything. Very important. But uh, true digital transformation, uh, yes, we need technology, but we need to actually un- ensure underlying systems. And when I say systems here, it's not IT systems, it's the uh, organization, in, in a sense, where well, your policy, strategy, culture, actually allows you to undertake transformation. Uh, so that was my key message, and I gave various examples. Um, and the trick was to ensure that uh, the, the readers, when they go through this, they do not diminish either roles because you have different uh, stakeholders coming in look at the same uh, object, if you will. Uh, some tech folks will think that tech is important. Yes, they are. Uh, but that's not the key uh, aim. You use tech for a reason. Similarly, the healthcare professionals, you know, a lot of them will come in. I don't really care about the tech. I just want to um, serve my patient. Yeah, but without technology, uh, there's a lot of limiting um, situations. So yeah, the trick was actually to get them to, to come together. But yeah, yeah, this is a good question. The, the, the key message I uh, wanted them is to understand technology is not everything. Yes, it's important. But let's take a look at some of the underlying factors as well.
0: I'm going to get sidetracked a little bit um, talking about writing a book. I think writing a book is probably a bucket list for quite some of the senior leader people. What is your tips um, when it comes to writing and publishing a book? What is one thing that you wish Someone have told you
1: before you start. Doing. Oh, okay, okay. Um, what I did, uh, when I first started,
0: first started out
1: trying to write a book, um, was I wrote a lot of articles. Yeah. I, I don't do that a lot these days because um, of, of work. Yeah. Uh, and and the media has changed. Um, this this days the consumer pattern is people like short, uh, passages. Uh, mm-hmm. and I have an issue with that because complex topics. Can be kept simple, but you need you need the context. Yes. Uh, but when, when I first started off writing books, um I started with articles. So they were like test balloon, if you will, and, and I get feedback. Um this actually helped me a lot in honing the, the style and the message. Uh yeah. so it's like a, a little bit of a pre-cursor to the book, you see whether the articles were doing great. Yeah. And what I did was then I sort of break it out into internally what I did for myself is I broke it out into what I think is relevant to the key topic and I started releasing articles uh on those topics just to test the market Mm
0: -hmm. Uh,
1: and if that makes sense I'll actually string all these articles that's already written because they serve as a introduction if not as a skeleton and I'll add meat on it and I'll make it flow Mm -hmm. Uh, so it has been a great learning process for me um yeah so that's what I will share with um Anyone who wants to write a book, it may not be the best method, but it, it was what I did, uh, mm. made it easier because you get multiple products, if you will. So you get articles that people read, and you get feedback, mm. and you, you, when you finally mm. do write the book, uh, you know that there are content that people wants to to know, and you expound on it. Mm. And, so, and so far it has worked out well, but I have not written a book for quite, a, quite some time now. Maybe I'll, I'll go back after this and uh, start taking another <laughs> Yeah.
0: That's a good advice. Now let's come back to and move into the key uh, body of uh, I wanted to chat with you today. I I know you are a chief uh, for the Smart Health Leadership Center of the National University of Singapore uh, at the Institute of System Science. Um, I think I got it all right. Um, yes. Tell us a little bit more about your role and also perhaps about the, <clears throat> the center itself.
1: Sure, sure, what well, are happy to do that. Uh, so I'll start off with my institute, the Institute of System Science um, over at the National University of Singapore. Well, we are a practice oriented education institute uh, that focus on digital accidents and we are very industry focused. So as the chief of the Smart Health Leadership Center, uh, which is part of the institute, Um, I lead a team uh, of very talented uh, health professionals, digital health professionals, to transform the future experience of health and deliver impact through technology, data, design. And how we do this is we try to develop and blend the various disciplines, uh, skills, technologies, uh, through the delivery of what we call practice-oriented training. So it must be fit for purpose to the industry. Um, so we do cover theories, but also how to apply that theory in real life context. Uh, we also do something what we call leadership uh, mentorship consulting. Uh, this is a little bit different from traditional consulting uh, in the sense that we go in, we actually uh, level up the skill sets of our stakeholders because mm-hmm. we're a university, you know, we want to you know, upskill them. So that we can have a proper conversation, as opposed to us being consultant, we go in, um, we listen to a bunch of uh, feedback, and then we give you a PowerPoint deck. So we try not to do that. We go in, we train, uh, level up the skill sets, have a good conversation, and we embark on the actual uh, consulting projects together. And by the time the contract term is over, when when we leave, the stakeholders are able to continue on. So it doesn't die die off uh, um, from from a typical consulting project. Uh, So we do that. And we also do what we call industrial based applied research. So research must lead to a meaningful or impactful outcome, not just research for the sake of research. And we are very big on collaboration. So we don't believe in doing uh, things by ourselves. That's not Mm -hmm. possible. Uh, we collab- we, as a center, we collaborate with other practices within the institute. We actively collaborate with other faculties within the university. Uh, we collaborate with our stakeholders, industrial stakeholders, the Ministry of Health, hospital systems, community care system, social sector, etc., uh, etc. Et so that's basically um, what the center is about and it's reflective of what um, the institute do, uh, digital. Uh, we are. We are. Our core expertise is digital excellence, so we help organization do digital transformation. Yeah,
0: and specifically uh, focus on the niche of the healthcare.
1: Is that correct? Uh, that, yeah. That. So that, That's my center. So my center focuses uh, on health and healthcare, but mm-hmm. the entire institute has this uh, uh, core capability, and uh, my colleagues will look at finance, um, human resources, etc. So for so for myself, I. As a health professional, I only look at health. Yeah, health and healthcare.
0: Yeah. What are the goals that you are aiming to achieve for the Smart Health uh, Leadership Center?
1: Um, we have very lofty uh, goals, uh, Jason. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> tell, tell us more about.
1: Yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, our, our vision, if you will, and and we did this. Um. Uh, as a team, so what I did is, um, I, I got my, all my team members together and we had some brainstorming oh. session because we use a lot of design thinking. So we applied mm. some of these tools internally. And of course, we our stakeholders. We came out with the, the vision. Uh, and it is to inspire innovation and co-create transformation of health and social care for a better tomorrow. And we aim to achieve that through cross-industrial collaboration and co-creation. So we actually put it in the statement, uh, in the vision that mm-hmm. it must be co-creation. So it's not just us going in and say, hey, this is how I think uh, we should do it. This is what we want to do. But you know, let's come on, let's come in together and co-create. Um let, let's, let's do something great um and impactful um uh, mm-hmm. for the health and social care. Yeah. So very very lofty. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
0: Now we're gonna talk a little bit more about some of the vision. I think we'll touch on that. But um the 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 thing that I have been really interested to to understand um where myself don't necessarily have the subject matter expertise is the digital healthcare and the use of the data, analytics, data science, all those sort of things in, in here. But before that, I, I, I wanted to say, I feel like Engineering and uh, information technology, IT have equipped doctors, healthcare with all of these really, really amazing advanced medical equipment and obviously also the computer system in resources to, to manage the resources and information. My question then is and obviously with the podcast that I run, would you say data science, analytics, and AI would, would take us to the next frontier?
1: Uh, the short answer is absolutely mm-hmm. <laughs> the long, longer answer requires some um, uh, clarification so so y- yes you're right so te- uh, engineering uh, information technology has definitely transformed healthcare uh, mm. making it as an enabler we can do more better diagnosis with the aid of equipments um, so be it medical devices or, or computer systems uh, because if you look at imaging for example Uh, with the help of uh, advanced medical equipment and advanced processing, we can now do 3D reconstruction. And from 3D reconstruction, we go further, we can do uh, simulation of surgery. And that's very important, you know, you can actually start measuring uh, what are sort of replacement parts. You can do 3D printing because you can stimulate it. You can actually uh, do a pre-surgery using a computer where to go in, um, remove tumors or any uh, lesion growth. Uh, You could try this before you actually cut the patient open. So you know the least invasive or most safest routes, for example. So these Mm -hmm. are some of the existing stuff we have seen. Um, So going further, would um, data science, analytics, AI bring us to the next frontier? Uh, Again, the short answer is absolutely. In fact, the the way I see it is if we do not utilize these amazing enabling technologies, we can't cope. (laughs) Yeah, so again, um, so number one is we can't cope. So if i would give you the very simple example is, there's simply not enough healthcare professionals. Uh, We we can't train medical doctors enough and and just generic medical doctors. We can't train nurses enough, generic nurses. There's also specialty. So it takes years and years for them to become good at what they're doing. And humans have limitation, we get tired. We have emotions. So imagine if I had a quarrel with, uh, let's say my other half uh, tonight, tomorrow I'm going to wake up grumpy, lack of sleep. Maybe I got kicked kick off to sleep on the couch, so <laughs> I can't perform. And I go into the uh, hospital setting. I'll, I'll have fatigue. I'll be emotionally troubled. I can still perform, but not at my optimal best. Mm. Our computers do not have such problems. They have no emotions. They are algorithm-based. They they, they they do a few things very well, and mm-hmm. of course, that's the limitation. So you must know how to use them well. But if you're clear on what you're doing, using AI actually helps you a lot. It saves you a lot of um, repetitive tasks, which humans get bored. You know, when you're supposed to get bored, you start to daydream. You like it or not? I mean, that's 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 a fact. Humans are uh, we have limitations. So yeah, so that's I, I think we definitely we need such technologies. And there's also another very important point, is that uh, healthcare is evidence-based. Uh, so this, mm-hmm. this is where computers uh, with, with a lot of good data, uh, the emphasis is good data. Uh, couple of analytics and AI can can help us a lot. And they can see disease, uh, they can see patterns and trends that sometimes escapes us. Um, so yeah, the, the short answer again is absolutely. Um, the long answer is a little bit longer. <laughs>
0: Can you give us a, a few real life examples or perhaps case study on how some of these things have, have a role or play a role in improving the healthcare industry so far?
1: Oh yeah. Um, so the, the most obvious one, I'll start with individual. Um, mm. As you know, um medicine on the whole is, is an art and science you we don't have a one-size-fits-all solution so this is where it's very different from other industry you know if a car breakdown, you know it's specific parts or related parts uh, if it's finance you, know, you can actually um, look at certain factors and so can can correlate even on hindsight you can actually find out what's going on mm-hmm. healthcare a lot of times it's uh we look at the symptoms um, and we try to figure out what's wrong with you and it takes time um so if i would look at it from an individual uh a basis of individual. If I capture good data over time for this individual, I actually have a baseline report. And when I mean, uh, when I look at uh, individual, I also look at family history. That's why we have family physician. The whole, it's not individual physician, we have family physician. Uh, because if I have captured data about you and your family, I know disease trends and patterns that you myself, yourself may not know. Uh, mm-hmm. Because these things could be um, embarrassing to discuss in a family, especially in Asia context. But if I know that, you know, your, your, your parents, your grandparents have a certain disease patterns, uh, lifestyle, etc., uh, and I have your, your, your own personal uh, disease trends and pattern, I can see uh, whether there's a better response to certain drugs. Not everyone reacts to the same drugs in the same manner. Um, whether a certain treatment is good for you, or, or are you? Would you respond to a, a better treatment? Mm. Uh, and this includes medication reaction, dosage. So, would you need more or less? You know, but perhaps this guy has a, a higher metabolism, so you actually have to adjust the medication a little bit. So that's the individual uh, level. From a population level, uh, you can look at social data, environmental data, uh, of course, the individual data as well. And then you can look at what's going on. So, hypothetically, you have a situation um, where a lot of people is coming and they have flu-like symptoms. Of course, nowadays when you say flu-like symptoms, people says, "Oh my god, COVID." Mm. <laughs> but but you can actually look at it and says, "Hey, actually, that's it's hay season." So, it's environmental, um, and it's only happening to this particular area because you know they are working near farms or something. Like that. So, you can actually look at environmental data and and, and correlate this or disease outbreak. Doesn't have to be a pandemic, a full scale pandemic like COVID, uh, even stuff like um, dengue fever. So, if you have actually data from the environment and social data, so you see that actually there's clusters of outbreak for dengue fever, and the environment data indicates that it's been raining uh, um, and there's trap areas. Chances are, you know, uh, you can actually start to predict uh, hotspots, if you will. There are outbreaks here and there, and you can prescribe intervention. So individual uh, populations, it can expand globally. Uh, the the, mm. the recent pandemic COVID, you can see start to see disease trends, and you um, look at individual uh, intervention uh, remedy. All this you need data. Uh, healthcare is very data driven, evidence based. Uh, but the problem is when you have too much data, we've got any tools. <laughs> we humans get lost. You know, we look at the numbers and we just oh my god, we are overwhelmed. Uh, so definitely. Uh, this is where analytics, data, and AI help us to uncover uh, possibilities, insights, patterns that are not immediately obvious. Uh, so yeah, this is this is where I think. In, in fact, there's already been several cases, um, scenarios that we see on a regular basis where uh, these tools help us tremendously. Yeah.
0: Now, speaking of data, data volume, I especially when you were talking about the individual data and also the family data, there were a few things that came to my mind. And I suspect if the, the situation, it may be also different in the context of Singapore or some other Asian country. So as well in Australia, but the bottom line is, I think the day and before that we all know that data is garbage in, garbage out. And yes. Garbage in, garbage out. So the, the, the part where I think is one of the biggest challenges is how do we collect data? How do we manage the data? And how do we have the family data um, to be used for the other family member purposes? How do we even have uh, data uh, from multiple um, <clears throat> healthcare uh, clinic or various places that I have been to be stored as a in into one place as a single source of truth? Um, obviously, what make it even more challenging is the privacy issue
1: mm-hmm. yep. I don't know what the answer is. <laughs> oh, uh, no. I, I can give you a quick one. <laughs> so no we, point. we face, we, we face, we face um, that, uh, that, that question um, uh, all the time. Yeah. So so to answer the first part, how do you ensure that you collect data from disparate sources and make them work? Yeah. Uh, this is where people like us come be uh we are health informaticians. We are trained mm. to do that. And data in healthcare is a little bit different from data from, Um, other industry, we use terminologies and lexicons uh, that's confusing even health professionals. So this Mm -hmm. is where informaticians like myself will come in and we will help you set up um, the policies and enable something we call interoperability. Mm -hmm. Of course, the question always come out um, to us would be, how do you address privacy issue?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I like to remind people whenever I hear that, that's not a healthcare problem. That's that's a policy (sighs) issue. So in healthcare, we don't have that issue. Um, so it's really the underlying policy, and, and this is important because it's, it's it's very important for us to segregate. We have, still have to solve the privacy issue, but it's important to remind that it's not a healthcare issue; it's a privacy issue. So let's solve it objectively. Then we look at, but from a healthcare perspective, the challenge is actually collecting data uh, mm. that is meaningful. Yeah. So that's that's a separate challenge. Yeah.
0: <laughs> is that the same i know you have worked in singapore and also um implemented the same thing in different asia country is that uh is that the same in other asia country or is it more challenging or what, what is it like over
1: um... yeah it's, it's it's always challenging <laughs> <laughs> um but there's this uh, there's so there's different um uh, uh, topics of uh, different areas of challenge at times so if i were to work in um, some of the uh, countries where they are geographically much larger than Singapore, and, and you find mm. a lot of them, uh, infrastructure may be an issue because yes, you know, I have to find a way to to share that data. Yeah, uh, these these days is getting better, uh, but there there's are some areas where I work in projects where electricity is an issue. So mm. you know, you, so so there are different types of challenges. When when it comes to um, but but there's a few common themes uh, that that keeps recurring is that uh, ability to capture data that is uh, useful. So let me give you an example. We always have medication uh, as, as, a, as a data point. And you see that everywhere, people say it's medication. And you put down um, the list of medication that uh, that, that they're of. I always ask people when I see that, I'll say, does this mean medication prescribed or medication consumed? Because it's not immediately obvious. You may think that it's medication prescribed, I may interpret it as medication consumed. This has a downright effect on my next intervention, because if I assume that all these are consumed and there's no effect, that means I'm going to change medication or increase dosage. But prescription doesn't mean consumption. So, so this is where informaticians like us will come in, we look at the data and say, what is the meaning of your data? So this gets a little bit more complicated, mm. uh, unlike, unlike other fields, because you do have semantic uh, issues like this. Uh, and I'll give you another example, uh, gender. Most people will say gender, that's male, female, or unknown. Or if you want, you can expand it to five, male, female, unknown, M to F, F to M. Mm. I've actually done a project, um, my, my last project before I joined, um, the National University of Singapore, I was in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. And it was a large scale national initiative to enable digital transformation, and one of the things that we did was to control uh, terminologies and lexicon to ensure uh, the uh, center of uh, data. What uh, was uh, um, The meaning, so uh, source of truth, if you will. And they defined thirteen gender one tree, and 13. they're all clinically okay. relevant. Yeah, yeah, and they're all clinically relevant. Okay, you can't argue no. But you know, this is where it gets. Um, interesting because they can have 13 and you bring that same system to Singapore and say says 13 most poor people will scratch their head. You know what? We don't really need that much. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. so how do you, how do you then ensure that, um, you know, you get something that's agreeable by all stakeholders, again, very difficult because everyone has their own lenses, uh, hmm. But but in a nutshell, this is what, uh, what we do as informaticians, we, so as name imply, informatician, we are very uh, focus on information, not just data. So mm-hmm. data must be translated into usable form. So that's information, and that's what we—that's what we do. Yeah. My train of thought just
0: escaped me. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> that was this one is, question I—I I, <laughs> was going to ask you, but it—it—it it, it escaped me. Never mind it, it will come back. Coming back yeah. to just the, 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 the case study, is that one that you are most looking forward that it would be widely spread and used around the world?
1: Um, not really because it really depends on the uh, segment of care uh, mm-hmm. you're looking at. But there's one interesting trend uh, around the world right now. It's been going on for uh, quite some time, but it's getting traction is that we are now healthcare systems around the world in general we are moving back to the textbook example of preventive care now you yep. will be most probably will be most people say yeah that makes sense you know you want to prevent people from getting sick um yeah but most people don't take care of their health <laughs> it's um, it's yeah so you, you know you have people going um new year parties and you ask them hey what's your new resolution and they give you lots. I'm going to get healthier this year. I'm mm. going to quit smoking. I'm going to quit drinking. You see them next year at the same party and they'll tell you the same resolution. They never get onto it. Uh, because you, by nature, very short term uh, creature. They look at things in the short term. Um, so people don't uh, do preventive uh, health mm. for themselves. <laughs> you know, we tell people, hey, you should do this, but we don't take care of ourselves. But healthcare systems around the world now are realizing that it's too expensive to be in a reactive mode. So I shouldn't really wait for people to get sick. Then I try to uh, intervene because at the end of the day, you spend more. And it's not just a matter of money. Even if you are saying that, hey, I don't care, I have lots of money, GDP, whatever. You You don't get enough healthcare professionals and facilities, it's just illogical. (laughs) So yeah, healthcare systems around the world are more moving towards uh, preventive care. I believe Australia is the same. Uh, Singapore, we are we're doing that. We've been quietly doing that um, and moving more aggressively these days. Uh, so that's the number one use case. I I I am seeing, <laughs> not not like to see, but I am seeing around the world where and we use a lot of data. It has to be evidence based. It has to provide insights. A lot of analytics. A lot of AI. Again, mm. because that's just simply not possible. <laughs> Uh, with all these tools.
0: Hey all I just want to give a quick shout out about this episode, it's sponsored by the Embedded Analytic Program at DDA. And the Embedded Analytic Program is designed for senior manager and executive in the business team who want to integrate data science into daily business operation and use it to drive customer experience excellence and revenue. And book unlimited strategy session for a full year and start embedding analytics into the business frontline. For more information about this program, please refer to the description of this episode. Now let's get on back to the interview. I know that is a, 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 a special terminology that you use or use to describe the profession that you are in, and it's called health informatics. Now, for the medical. Health informatics. Yeah. For the benefit of myself and and the listener, can you please briefly explain what is health informatics and how it is different to um, the world that I know, which is data analytics, data science?
1: Oh, this is a very um, good question. I actually covered this in some of my lecture notes. Mm -hmm. Uh, If if you put it simply, there there, there are definitely correlation, uh, analytics and informatics works closely together. And you might even get uh, someone who is both, you know, someone who's really good at stats. Uh, You can do analytics and informatics if you're trained. But the core difference is analytics tells you um, what's going on, Mm. gives you insight, may even predict it. Informatics translate that into actual, um, actual uh, workflow. So, so, and and we really control terminologies upfront. And because you do analytics, you realize that a lot of data scientists, they spend most of the time doing cleaning of data. Mm. <laughs> that's, that, that's the unglamorous part of the job, but necessary. Yes. Yeah. In, in healthcare, if we have informaticians up front, we actually control terminologies, um, et cetera. So even uh, the example I gave you earlier on gender, uh, if you had you know, a controlled terminology that we use to acquire data, you don't have to spend that much time cleaning up um that data because they are actually classified with vocabularies so that's one so this is where informaticians uh, move a little bit uh uh, towards the beginning we control uh data up front because we want them to be information not just pure data yeah and then once you have the analytics um you provide insights of course clinicians must look at it healthcare professionals must look at it Uh, and then we decide a, a method of intervention informaticians will then try to implement it uh, with uh, tools as well. So downstream use of data, uh, the example I'd like to give is for a system, what we call clinical decision support systems. And this could be uh, uh, acute use. So when you order a medication, and system was actually checked with of course controlled terminologies. And said, hey, this, this patient has already had this medication. You're, you're double dosing. So this is a little bit different for analytics. Analytics tells you what happened. Mm-hmm. And in this case, I'm telling you, hey, 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 you know, um, this is the action that's going to impair quality of care and patient safety. Or it could be a situation where it's overdose. And also, I give the overdose as they already had the medication. The other common example is uh, overdose due to uh, body size, like, for example, pediatrics, young kids. So they obviously don't have the same body mass. But sometimes when you're prescribing, you may overlook and you may prescribe too much dosage or pregnant ladies, they're not supposed to be taking x-rays. Now, Mm. some pregnant ladies in the early stage, you can't tell. (laughs) So the physician actually may not know, uh, but the system may have the data. And then when you try to prescribe as an x-ray, they'll jump out. So this is just an example that's um, where it helps you uh, use data, uh, effectively doing the treatment of care. Of course, analytics plays a huge part and uh, other use cases, but that's the core difference. from a textbook example, again, you may have an informatician who's actually trained to do analytics and he will be able to do both.
0: Um,
1: so vice versa. And actually I've seen a lot of guys that, uh, especially those who deal with uh, public health mm. because in public health, we do epidemiology. Uh, that's, that's very similar to analytics. It's the same thing actually. It's just that we don't use big data. Um, mm. We didn't use big data because big data wasn't available back then. So we weren't trained on, on that. But these days, if you look at uh, modern public health, they, they are trained to use big data as well. So it's very similar. So yeah, so that's the uh, very high level, 3000 feet uh, uh, difference between analytics and informatics. Yep.
0: What, what are the, some of the biggest challenges when it comes to implementing or perhaps even innovating the healthcare industry with informatics, data science, and, and AI?
1: Wow! Ah, oh, that is a fantastic question, Jason. Um, generally, there is two major challenges that I personally have faced, but um, I mm. do projects across the globe. Um, number one is uh, data interoperability. So we sort of explore that, uh, having, making sure that the data that you capture is controlled. Uh, this is tough because Different healthcare professionals will come and tell you their definition. They are all correct <laughs> mm. depending on how they they, they, they perceive the subject. Uh, so you have to find consensus and control that and how you translate that into the uh, computer systems and making sure that they follow your standard because there's different standards around and everyone um, thinks that their version is the best. Yep. So how do you um, ensure that you, know, you have uh, interoperability of the data? And the second major challenge that I come across is related to the first is expectation and change management. I keep telling people the biggest problem I have in healthcare are humans.
0: Yeah.
1: So it's tough because, um, you know, this expectation and change, it's a very complex industry. Um, people die if you make a mistake. So people don't really want to change. In fact, this is how a lot of physicians are trained, muscle memory. And there's always a joke around, but this is true. So you can walk into an emergency uh, department and you actually have physicians who are taking a break, resting. But there's a, you know, let's say uh, a car accident, for example. So you try to wake up the, the resting physician, the emergency uh, department physician. He will be able to wake up and perform surgery uh, on the fly. That's how they are trained. Um, because they, they go through long period of um, stints with very minimum sleep, it's not to mm. it's not to torture them. It's to train them to react under adverse uh, uh, situation, mm. so they are able to perform and save lives. Now here's the problem: they're trained to um, to rely on a lot of muscle memory. So I see something wrong, I intervene with what is proven, and then you have guys like us that comes in. You know what? From from data we found out that it's actually better to do it the other way. <laughs> so it, it, it actually runs counterintuitive um, to how they are they are trained. Um, so of course, they are very open healthcare professions in general, um, we, we we like to, well, we, we want to help people. That's why we're hmm. in this job. Industrial doesn't pay well, actually. <laughs> it's very punishing. Uh, but you know, un- underlying we want to help people. So we like to understand what is the better alternative, but we always like to find out if this has been proven. But mm-hmm. here's the catch. Someone has to do it in order for it to be proven. Nobody wants, but well, most of us don't want to be the first because people can die. <laughs> so imagine you're going around trying to transform health systems and telling people there's actually a better way to do this based on data. <laughs> uh, I'm not saying that it's impossible. Uh, it's just a little bit more challenging. Uh, in comparison to some of the other uh, industry and sectors. Uh, so, yeah, this is the two things uh, they are related. Uh, uh, so, this is the two things getting people to standardize on data and using standardized data and vocabulary, and expectation and change management. Yeah, it is, yeah, <laughs> very <laughs> challenging.
0: Yeah. Have you found, do you think you have found a way to solve some of these problems that you described, that you described?
1: I, I like to think so. Um, <laughs> I don't have a foolproof uh, methodology, unfortunately, Uh, but what I come to realize is that uh, because of the nature, as as I described earlier, nature um, and and context, people are not averse to change because they don't want to change. They just want to make sure that if I do this, no one's going to die. That's why, you know, have you actually done this before? Have you tried this? Of course, we have clinical trials, uh, A-B testing, whatever Mm you, so those help, but it's a lot of awareness and education. Um, people, I realize uh, people are fearful if they have never heard of it. So the first time I tell them is, "Why are you insane?" <laughs> you know, um, but you know, if, if they are they are made aware, you show them literature studies that this has been done uh, faithfully. We we follow science, um, so it, it does help. Uh, yeah, so so I, I realize that awareness education
0: mm-hmm. always
1: a great starting point. Uh, So stuff like this, podcasts, (laughs) this is fantastic for uh, raising awareness. Even if healthcare professionals are not listening to this, you have tech professionals who listen to, for example, this podcast and they work in healthcare and they'll start to understand, oh, there's another spectrum um, to this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they will actually ideally open up perspective. And Mm -hmm. once people are more receptive, the conversation, can can take place. Until then, it's really you know uh, miscommunication, trying to second guess each other. So yeah, that's not helpful. Yeah. So, so that, that's attack how it. I attack it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, there has been quite a few uh, healthcare professional uh, coming to the podcast, and I will have a few more. So uh, certainly, there is a, 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 a overlap audience over there.
1: Now, oh, that's also- fantastic. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is a subject that I'm not so familiar myself, though. So a lot of time I have to rely on research or uh, be super prepared. But uh, I, I think we are on the right, the right track now. Now, moving on to the next part of the question that I have got for you is: uh, I suppose as an outsider, as an outsider who who doesn't know much about the healthcare, I feel that the biggest challenge um, the Patient often face is is the cost of healthcare. Mm-hmm. You know, the price seems to be only trending one uh, direction, which is uh, up. And I think there are numbers of reasons <laughs> that can explain all of those things. But we're not talking about those. But my my question, however, is coming back to the data and all of this advancement that we are seeing in the technology and, and AI. Do you foresee cost reduction in patient billing? Uh, that's, uh, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, I, I do get that uh, quite a fair bit when I work with stakeholders, um, where we do digital transformation, they always mm. say, hey, you know, these things is expensive. Can we actually translate that to cost savings? Uh, from a patient, if I were to talk to a patient, um, the best way I'll tell them is do preventive care, take care of yourself, you know, uh, clean food, exercise. That's the best way to save money. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but that's not the topic today. Um, so, so will, will adopting all this technology see a cost reduction with regards to patient bidding? I think, I think it's a fallacy to think that it will reduce costs. Cost, cost is, is only going to rise up because someone has to pay for all this. What people don't understand is that it takes money to uh, support technology. Yeah, have manpower mm. costs, electricity costs, cloud services, et cetera, licenses, software licenses, et cetera, et cetera. So someone has to pay for all this. Uh, but what using all this um, technology will, it will not reduce costs. It will control costs. So the, way to, the, the better way to see this is as opposed to exponential uh, increase uh, of, um, of dollars and cents, and it will. So you know crazy wall uh, expenditure instead of that if you use technology you will have a more controlled linear growth so that's the better way to um to explain it and it it, sometimes when i tell people uh, financial controllers i want to do that and of course i have to give more examples they can sleep better at night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, it's really a fallacy. It will not reduce costs because inflation will kick in. Manpower, mm. software licenses, um, uh, yeah, even it, it just something as simple as energy. Energy cost is rising, and you know you want to crunch data, whatever you, you need, servers, whatever uh, data centers, etc. This, this, this will cost uh, electricity, uh, money. So, yeah, we, we, we will not reduce costs, but we can control costs with um, uh, sensible use of uh, such technologies.
0: Mm-hmm. I, my, the, the thought that escaped me earlier, it finally come back to me. So if, if that's okay, I'm going to quickly just jump back. Uh, sure. What I was wanted to ask earlier. So earlier on, we talked about the disparity of uh, various data sources, etc. How to uh, you or one control to be able to have all of them into a single uh, place, <clears throat> so that so the the healthcare professional would have all the data in order to provide their advice. One thing that I noticed and. I have never really dived deep enough into the subject. So this is purely the um, basic information I, I read is that in Australia, we have the federal government department where they are trying to be to collect and create that uh, digital health record for mm-hmm. each individual um, where they can be the single source of truth which collect all the data from various uh, different sources. It seems like they are still facing problems purely because of the fear of the privacy, which I know you addressed earlier, um, but it, that seems to be still not really solving the problem. I'm curious to know, though, is that w- what is it like in different jurisdictions, different parts of the world, what 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 is what are people trying to achieve? Do people try to achieve exactly something similar where the government comes in play the role in collecting all the data, um, or or what 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 is it like?
1: Yeah, there are similar trends. So I think government plays a huge role, especially if they are the major payer, uh, because mm-hmm. it makes sense for them to get all this data to look at disease trends and profiles, um, and then you can design suitable interventions. Uh, So I've I've actually took a look at what happened in Australia and we we have some similar initiatives in Singapore where we try to build a centralized uh, digital health record, if you will, so one uh, source that has everything. Uh, And what I understood was that in Australia, it was an opt-in model. So if you want your data to be collected by the government, you have to explicitly say, Yes. Mm.
0: Uh,
1: in Singapore, we went the other way around. It's an opt-out model. Right. Now, you think about it, uh, both actually respects privacy. Yeah. Um, you know, if you really uh, feel against it, you can choose not to uh, contribute your data. There, there will be repercussion. It's not that the government is going to purposely come after you or you're not giving me data, so I'm going to make things difficult for you. No, no, that's not mm. the case. Because if you don't have your data uh, available, then You know, all the good stuff about trending, analysis, uh, finding the best uh, patterns, that's not going to happen to you Uh, on an individual basis, on a population basis. Yes, Uh, individual then, you know, you obviously can't enjoy that because I don't have your data. But back to the opt-in, opt-out model, Um, you you must understand human psychology. And they use this in marketing all the time. Correct. Most 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 people just don't give two thoughts about it. (laughs) <laughs> if if it's a, yeah, once you put, once you enroll me, if I don't mind, I'll leave it. So in the Singapore model, they, they, we enroll most of the people. Now the de facto response is actually that's a good thing. I'll just let it be. Now if I'm really against it, I will opt out. Now the same mindset is actually applicable to most people everywhere. Now Australians, I, I presume so. Most probably actually don't mind. But yeah. if you were to make it so troublesome, I have to actually have to opt in. It's a deliberate effort for me to. That's correct. Uh, yeah, so people just oh, you know what? It, again, people are short-term creatures. As we, we, we talk about that, they don't think we, we in in general humans don't think long term. very few of us do. So if you have to make it so difficult for me, I check go, go to deliberately make an effort to get myself adopted in. They don't care because they don't see the long-term uh, implication. That's why I think adoption uh, failed. Uh, again, there's no right or wrong answer, but at least if I were to contrast these two, um policies if we will. Mm.
0: Um,
1: yeah. So it's really sometimes how we architect um, uh, our underlying systems and we talk about this very early on. It is actually your policies, uh, your strategy, your culture that enables uh, change. So this is related to some of the stuff we talked about
0: earlier. Yeah. Absolutely. Now you talk about prevention is better than cure, which absolutely agree. Um, <clears throat> with a lot of these wearable devices, which also have a lot of the data, especially our movement, our, uh, and as we continue to advance, it collect even more data. It's, to me, I find that it seems like everyone is still struggling to be able to bring those data into an ecosystem where it can really really benefit the people right what do you think is is stopping that what what do you think (laughs) uh do you think is stopping them to succeed and sorry when i say um no it seems like everyone hasn't really been able to find a way to be to bring those data into ecosystem what i mean is like think about uh, for example, let's say we have something that is that digital record, like the government level, where you can also bring some of these uh, uh, wearable devices in, into play, but no one is able to do that. Why, why do you think that's the case?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I think it's more policy. It's not a technology issue. I mean, if you're already acquiring those data, yeah. Uh, of course you have to standardize how you acquire those data. And mm. those standards are available uh, by and large. Uh, it's a matter of actually enabling policies to consume those data. Mm. But having said that, someone has to pay for that cloud storage, <laughs> the maintenance of the system. <laughs> so, so maybe I'll, I'll flip it the other way around. So as a healthcare professional, if you give me uh, data, I'll have to ask myself, is this useful for me to make a uh, diagnosis or in, in any inference? Mm-hmm. Um, so, all data is good, but there will be a situation where it may not be so relevant at that point in time. So, let me give you an example uh, ECGs. Um, you know, we capture electronic cardiographs uh, on a regular basis for checkups and one of you. By and large, these ECGs are not very relevant after three months. So, you know, if you want a new one, you, 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 you take another one. This is not like x rays, you know, they'll be good for maybe quite some time because if you have a tumor growth, uh, chances are it's not gonna be a, such an aggressive, but you know you can see them. So ECGs. So if you if someone says come in and say, hey, I've got two years worth of ECG, can you put it on your system? There well most probably someone will look at it and say, yeah no, those are great. But it's not really relevant. Why am I gonna do that? <laughs> having said that, so that's a, that that's one, one context. But if you turn around and say, hey actually this is a clinical study uh, and I want to look at past data, uh, you know, long history of past data. So those would be useful. So again, it it goes to the context, what you're using those data for. So I guess maybe this is really policy. At this point in time, um, maybe you don't really need so much data on how many steps you take. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, This this may be useful when there's a a good use case for it. Uh, All data is good. It's just a question of what is useful at that point in time.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. I'm glad that I asked those questions to Carlos. Now to summarize um, what we have been talking about, I think one of the questions that perhaps that people would be asking is, do you have any advice um, for the health informatics or people in the data analytics who is looking to focus more on data science Um, for the healthcare transformation journey in their
1: organization? Yes, I come across that quite often. Um, People try to get into the field or people who have gotten into the field and they struggle a little bit. Mm. Uh, Most of the time, um, it will be the tech folks who struggle or rather non-healthcare professionals who struggle Uh, because it's easier for a health professional to learn some data science. You don't have to be a super expert, some, and you can actually start functioning with the help of uh, actual Uh, data scientist, but you know, a data scientist, if you come in with no clinical uh, background, Mm. uh, that person will get lost, very lost. Uh, So always try to understand uh, the clinical workflow terminologies and domain of the segment you're working with. So if you're supporting a healthcare professional in the area of cardiology, of course, cardiology is a very big uh, field as well. So for the heart, there'll be maybe specific areas, Uh, let's say, certain disease trend. Spend time uh, to learn the lingo, what it means, complications. You don't have to make a diagnosis, but you have to understand you know, uh, terminologies when the healthcare professional uh, use it. Yeah, so that, that's important. Learn the clinical uh, domain uh, to a certain extent. At least have that conversation.
0: Yeah. I, I feel like it's very similar to what I feel Often when I'm talking to my team or uh, the client, which is I think I found that it's super super important to understand the domain and the subject and the industry, the business itself, what they are trying to achieve. Um, I sometimes joke that your CFO is not going to care about how you transform the data 300 times to get to that optimal. Uh, data warehouse structure or how do you uh, obs- I mean all of those things are important, but if you are not certain about the if you are not confident about the final number, whether it's correct or not correct, none of those things matter.
1: Absolutely Jason so we have the same uh, situation, similar situation. You no know, if you come and tell me how amazing what sort of great modeling technique, latest uh, computers, Will be it fly over us, I'll say that's great, but mm-hmm. what is the solution that can either improve quality of care or reduce uh, you know uh, adverse mm-hmm. situation? you know how does it help my patients um if, if you can't answer that uh, then it's 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 not relevant, <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I agree now my final question for you before the the other two final final question is is there anything else that you would like to share more about your work
1: um yeah so um uh i i guess if there's one thing i need to give a shout out it would yes. be that um myself personally at my center or, or my institute for that matters we are big on collaborations uh internationally as well we do work across the globe well. yeah uh, so mm-hmm. regardless if you the listener is from singapore or somewhere across the world uh, if you think that's a way to collaborate um, you know, it doesn't have to be just purely industrial academia. You know, have a chat. You know, even have an idea, or even raising awareness. As as we talk about, you know, raising awareness is very important in our discipline as well. You know, feel free to reach out. You know, um, and then yeah, a conversation doesn't doesn't hurt.
0: Absolutely, I'll make sure that I um, put the details of the contact of your institute um, in the podcast and uh, in also all the published.
1: Fantastic, fantastic.
0: Now, my final two questions that I have for you and everyone else. The first thing first is, what is your most important first principle?
1: Okay, Uh, that is a good question. Um, I used to have a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It changes. It changes over with with with, uh, uh, new perspective and age. So these days, I, I remind myself. This is something I believe that was said by Bruce Lee. Uh, he says be like water. And uh, yes. when, when I first heard <laughs> it I was like, What are you talking about, dude? Um so when to understand a little bit more and if I interpret it correctly, uh what I understand is that it means not to be trapped in a certain mindset. Yeah. Instead be adaptable uh, as the situation change, uh, you change accordingly. Of course with with context, you don't change with no principles, but in in general, you know, be be like water. Um, be adaptable, uh, pivot uh, when when necessary. So I think that has that has worked. Uh, that's excellent advice. And uh, sometimes when I do remind myself to do that, it has worked out well for me because this is such a, a VUCA environment. It's volatile, it's uncertain. Uh, you have to be um, flexible um, in, in certain ways and not be so fixated. There's, there's no one size fits all methodology anymore (laughs) yeah so yeah be like water man be like water
0: (laughs) I agree I heard of it and and I I think I well well I could understand it when I was younger I feel like I could relate to it a lot more as I age (laughs) what is one book that you have read and thought it would have been better for your younger self to have Ah, uh,
1: that is also a good question. I, actually, I love books. Um, these days I don't really find uh, enough time. I have to admit, but I really like physical books. I really love physical books. I like them touching. I know it's bad for the environment because we are the cut down trees, but <laughs> I like the I like the smell books. I like to read books, it's very therapeutic actually. Um, you yeah, just do nothing, be with yourself. Uh, so there's a lot of great books I've come across. Um, but if if it is one book I'll give to my younger self, I'll say none because young people don't take advice. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, we've, we've experienced um, every little incremental or better obstacle that we overcome, we grow in wisdom, hopefully. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and and I, I honestly believe, that, and this is something to do with physics as well. Some people say it's, um. Uh, superstitious but it's actually physics there's no coincidence in life Uh, there's always a pattern uh, that the universe is uh, is guiding you so Mm -hmm. yeah there's there's no point trying to fix the past Um, you know whatever you need to go come across whatever book that you need to read at that point in time um the universe is gonna give it to you yeah A- again people say hey this is this sounds so myth mythical but it's physics there's no coincidence <laughs> <laughs> so yeah no 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 books uh no, no change of titles for my younger self um yeah so that's how i see it but uh yeah i, I love books everybody should be reading uh more frequent it really helps uh helps you think thank you so
0: much um adam for Coming onto the show again um, and sharing on uh, various various subjects about the healthcare industry, uh, health informatics, and also about all of these various challenges. But also, I think the important takeaway for me, I I found equally apart from the data, etc. I I think is about the 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 working to 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 with to get the policy. Right, I think that has been. uh, one of the very important takeaways. Thank you. Yeah.
1: You're welcome, Listen. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure.
0: Hello. If you enjoy this conversation, hit that subscribe button so we can meet again. If you don't, I'll be stuck in an infinite loop. So pull that part by clicking the subscribe and help me out. You can further support us by leaving us a kind of review from wherever you are listening. At the end of the year, I will choose a reviewer to send a special gift to and it might just be you. Look forward to seeing you here next week for a new adventure if I can find my way out of this endless load. See ya!